All right. Well, hey, I'm going to say second service did better because we gave him two or three more Krispy Kremes, and, uh, and it showed. And it showed. And thank you, all of our leaders, for making that happen. Bye, James. <laughs> Amen. Well, wasn't that fun? Amen. Well, good morning, church. So glad you're here. So uh, if you didn't know, we, uh, we tricked you into taking communion this morning, coffee and Krispy Kremes. So you're sanctified. <laughs> Some of y'all got saved, didn't even know it. All right. I <laughs> hope you got a donut. Please eat them on the way out. If there's still any, just please eat them. A manna from heaven. That's what Pastor Stevie and Kristen think. Um, I was trying to get him to get, you know, donuts from down the road, and I got, like, axed in a staff meeting. It was the most violent no and stank eye that I've ever experienced when I, you know, said, hey, they're like, you can't do that to the people that you love. You just can't do that. Yeah. So you're welcome. <laughs> Anyways, so she got her half price. Kristen worked her little magic and, uh, and it was good. So I'm so glad you're here. Again, if you're here for the first time, thank you so much for being here. I believe that church should be fun. Should be fun. Should be a good place you want to come to, but it also should be a, a place of truth that we deal with sin and, and how to you know deal with our own sin and how to live the way that God wants us to live um, without being condemned because condemned uh, doesn't come from God. Conviction comes from God. Conviction says, "Hey, you're doing wrong. Get it right." Condemnation says, "You did wrong and you're in trouble." I felt a lot of condemnation as a child. Um, like you're in trouble, right? Uh, so let's get into this. You ever you ever got? I guess a surprise phone call or just a surprise. You've been surprised. We got surprised yesterday. My son and I were at home and I got a phone call from my sister and my mom and dad went to the ranch. Hadn't been up there for a couple of weeks. And so they have a cattle ranch and they have a house up there. And apparently when they got up there, water had been running for probably a week. Um, and so they, there was just water everywhere on the ceilings. It was shooting up and um, not very much fun. And so we, we were the attack team. So we went up there and pulled carpet. So we were there till pretty late last night. I was way past my bedtime. I got home about 1045 because I go to bed at 930. And uh, so if I say anything crazy today, it's sleep deprivation. And I don't even have children. Um, some of you are like, yeah, get over it. But it was a call that you weren't expecting, a call that we didn't anticipate. And, and when something happens in your life that is maybe a little shocking, maybe a little surprising, you didn't see it coming, how you respond to it is really important. Because you can respond by freaking out and just freaking out, or you can say, you know what, this isn't good, but we need to deal with it. And so we went up there with shop vacs and, and brooms and pulled carpet and pulled floors and all the stuff out of the house. Uh, there's a time to, to react appropriately, and there's a time that you react inappropriately. And today we're actually talking about how Mary reacted when she found out the news that she was going to be with child, and, and, it, and she was a virgin. She wasn't even praying for a kid. It was just one of those things that showed up, and she had a decision to make on what to do with it. So uh, we're going to recap just a tiny bit from last week, uh, the book of Luke. He was a doctor, and he was given this detailed uh, account of the birth of Jesus, the birth of John the Baptist. Uh, recap last week. He gave the account of Zechariah and Elizabeth who would give birth to uh, John, Jesus's first cousin. And, and John was prophesied as a forerunner to the Messiah. So when John came on the scene, they would know that the Messiah wasn't far behind. And yet, Zechariah and Elizabeth didn't have kids. He was a priest. He went to, to offer incense in the temple. It was his turn to do that. He got picked. He went in and angel Gabriel appeared to him and he freaked out, uh, which I went to in a dark room. If there was an angel that just showed up and if you had any sin in your life, you died right there on the spot. I can't imagine every Sunday morning me coming up to this pulpit uh, or music stand to preach a message that if I had any unrepentant sin, I would just fall over. I wouldn't have been here for 24 years if that was the case. I probably would have died the second Sunday I was here. Uh, but so he, he has this, this moment where Gabriel appears to Zechariah and he says, like, greetings, and Zechariah kind of freaks out. And then he says, your, her, your prayer's been heard. You're going to have a kid. And what you may not know if you weren't here last week is Zechariah's 80 and his wife's about 80. And that's a shocker. Right? That was some, that's something that would be completely unexpected. She was barren. She never had children, wasn't able to. And yet God had a time and a place for this to happen. And he, she would give birth to John who would begin to proclaim that the Messiah was coming. But the good news was greeted with doubt. 
And that's the hard part of last week's message. We called it a, a problem with the promise. There was a promise given, but Zechariah had a problem believing it. And the angel Gabriel didn't like that very much. And he said, okay, okay what, what I said is going to come to pass, but you're not going to talk for nine months. You're not going to talk for nine months. And, and he couldn't talk. Like he tried to talk and he couldn't talk for nine months. And I, I kind of wonder, like, what was the home life for nine months? I mean, he got home and she got pregnant, so they acted on the news, right? And, and we talked about that thing being 80, she's 80. He gets home, he's got a twinkle in his eye, a smile on his face, and maybe a note that says his name's going to be John, <laughs> right? Uh, so far beyond the years of able to get pregnant, uh, and yet God made it happen. Why? Because they played their part in that, okay? Lovemaking was included in the producing of a child. And so it was a great thing for them. All right, Mary's going to have a different response to the fact uh, that she's going to be pregnant. So with Zechariah, truth was met with unbelief. And that does not sound like today's day and age, that, that truth is met with unbelief. We talk about the Messiah. We talk about the world being under God's hand. And yet our world doesn't even want to believe that. They don't want to believe it. As Christians, we have to continue to believe the truth that Jesus is coming back for us, guys. He is. We will, we will breathe our last breath and we will meet him. Uh, the important thing is that you're right with him when you meet him. Because every, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, but you've got to confess it on this earth for it to count. Once, you're, once you take your last breath, your decision, whether you're following God or not, your decision is made. So I hope that if you're not following Jesus today, that you would make him your savior and you begin to follow him today. So here's an interesting thing as I was thinking through this, where you have Zechariah who greets truth with doubt and, and Mary, as we'll see when Gabriel says, you'll be with child, she, she believes him. She says, okay. She's just like, how? Okay, I, I understand that it's gonna happen. I just don't know how and we'll get to that point. But what stood out to me, was that she had not been praying for a baby, and yet she has a completely different response to this news, all right? So two people that are serving God, Zechariah was a priest. He loved God with all his heart. The Bible says he was a righteous man. How can two people that love God with all their heart respond so differently? Easy answer, marriage, okay? <laughs> two people love Jesus, have different responses to things, okay? And that can actually happen. And here's what I believe that our response most of the time is emotional, okay? There's an emotional response to something. When we got the call last night that the house was flooded, I could have just freaked out, threw the phone down, or started running around the house going, no, 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 no. And that would have solved the problem, no, I wouldn't do that, right? We, Travis and I get our jeans on, throw stuff in the truck, and we head up there to do something about it. We're not happy about it, but, but emotional responses don't typically fix things. Okay, you got to put work to it. Our responses are typically emotional. So a highly emotional person, listen to me, will respond faster, partly because they don't take the time to process all the information. Okay, with this personality type, the first response is often the wrong response. We're really quiet in here. Uh, a lot of conviction, okay? Uh, most of us, you're just scared of the person you're next to who responds this way because you're afraid of what they're going to do when you do it. I'm going to say something, you're going to elbowed, right? Um, and the first response is often the wrong response, and we usually are like this. Okay, our response is our responsibility. It really is. We have to respond appropriately. Um, I have a friend, I actually have two friends, and my one friend loves God with all their heart, and I have another friend um, who loves God they don't go to this church, just so you know, so I can tell the story. And, and we were discussing the one particular friend who tends to, to overreact to, to news. Like, she just, ah. and, and my friend said about our, our mutual friend, when she hears bad news, she reacts like her hair is on fire. And I thought, that was a great statement, right? Because I don't have to even explain that one. Some people hear something and they're just like, ah! And, and I don't want to be that way. Well, Mary's not that way. I think Zachariah kind of was. Like, he's like, what? And, and Mary's like, okay, she's processing the information. So with Zechariah, the promise again would come to pass, but it would have a penalty. And the penalty would be, okay, Gabriel's like, you didn't believe me, so you're not going to talk for nine months. So they're going to give you a kid, but you're going to be quiet for nine months and not be able to talk. What was that house like? Now, it's possible that maybe Zechariah wasn't a talker to begin with, and he was happy about it, and Elizabeth got to do all the talking she wanted. So maybe he became a good listener, Right? <laughs> And I'm sure she became very frustrated. <laughs> like, you never listen to me. He's like, that's all I do. I just can't respond. You know, he probably got very proficient at writing. With Mary, 
All right, she reacts appropriately, and because she reacted with this belief, and it was based on her behavior previously, my title is this, Behavior Gains You Favor. Every teenager in this place, every student needs to listen to this message, and every parent needs to amen me a lot, okay? Because behavior gains you favor. So let's start out Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. I may read a little bit further. We'll read the first part of the story, then we'll go on. It says, in the sixth month... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. What do you mean, six months of the calendar? No, it was in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and he said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be, okay? It was something that doesn't say where she was at, but it just happened, and she was, she was not troubled at the angel, she was troubled at what he said. Was Zachariah freaked out about the angel and then was troubled about what he said, okay? So we have these different responses here. And uh, again, I think Gabriel might have taken a softer approach with Mary, <laughs> I don't know that he just showed up in her bedroom and went, boo, okay, you're going to have a baby. Like he did Zachariah. I think he took a softer approach. Mary is about a 14 to 15 year old girl. And, and she lives in a town called Nazareth, a town of about 15,000 people that has a public reputation. You need to know this about Nazareth because there's a, there's a purpose. It was an immoral town. There was brothels there. There was bars. It was known as a place of wild living and wild behavior. Uh, Nathaniel, the prophet, would later say of Jesus, of the Christ, when they found out that Jesus was from Nazareth, and he is saying, can anything good come from Nazareth? Is that even possible? Is that even possible? Now, Garden City, back in the day, used to have this reputation. If you've lived in the Boise area for long, Garden City had this reputation. Unfortunately, they've cleaned it up. It uh, doesn't have that reputation anymore as much. Um, now it's Melba. Maybe you live in Melbourne now. It doesn't. I know. I just got a bunch of... It was okay till you moved there. Uh, let's keep going. I just got that. If you're going to talk to me, I'll talk back. Uh, and I got a mic. No, it's good to have. But, but no, seriously, Garden City used to have that reputation. Matter of fact, if you haven't been here, you used to call it Garbage City. That was the name. Well, they've, they've changed it. They've cleaned it up, which is a good thing. But Nazareth had this public reputation. And yet here was a virgin girl who loved God with all her heart that came from that place. Okay. Mary had a reputation with God and it was good. It was, it was a reputation that God looked down and saw how she lived and said, you are highly favored, okay? And here's why I tell you this. Don't think that God can't use you because of where you came from, physically or spiritually. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Absolutely. When God's in it, something good can have. Some of you have hold, held your past against yourself. Let me tell you something. When you do that, you play bigger than God. Why would you hold something against yourself that even God himself doesn't hold against you anymore because you confessed it? Quit, hold, okay, quit playing bigger than God. Okay, we have this tendency to do that. God can use you because of where you came from, all right? So, so let go of that lie. Mary would be used coming from a crazy place. Now, Mary, in verse 27 was espoused to Joseph. This wasn't one day where he got down on one knee and, you know, and held out a ring and, and you know, and, and offered, hey, oh, you know, would you marry me? This is not how this, this, these were arranged marriages in these days. And this most likely was an arranged marriage from them when they were small. They, 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 oh yeah, you fit, you fit. All right, let's get them married. So they were likely knowing they were going to get married for quite some time. And an espousal thing was not just an engagement. An espousal was actually a binding legal agreement that you were going to get married. You could not have intimacy until the wedding day, but you were legally bound to this person. So Mary and Joseph were actually espoused. They were legally binding to get out of it. There had to be like a, a court thing that took place and the agreement checked out. They couldn't just say, well, I don't like you anymore, so we're not getting married. It was, it was a big deal in these days. It's important for you to understand this, Okay. In this culture, it was a legal contract. If you were found pregnant and it wasn't your fiance, you could be stoned to death. Okay? Another thing they would do is they would have chaperones. Okay? The spouse people could not be alone by themselves. Why? Because biology is a powerful thing. <laughs> we all have a story, don't we? Whether you made out or made love, you, you had a story. Okay? Biology is a powerful thing, so you could not be trusted. Even two people that love God with all their hearts still have biological things that go on. And after you're married, praise Jesus, it's still there, right? God made it, made it to be good. So they couldn't even be together without a chaperone. So she gets pregnant, she dies. I mean, and the, the, the one that got 
jilted, I guess. Joseph could have been the one to grab a first stone and throw it. That was the legal thing, is, is whoever you were married or spouse to could throw the first rock at you to kill you because you were pregnant with it. So we need to grasp that to understand what actually happened here. You know, today's culture is like you get pregnant like this and you post it on Instagram and you get a party, right? But, but here they could kill you. So it was a lot different. It was a lot different in this day to get pregnant out of wedlock. And we need to grasp that to understand what, what she's about to go through. So you can imagine how this news is different than Zachariah and Liz. I want to point something out to you. Elizabeth said in verse 25, says, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor. Okay, this is the 80-year-old pregnant lady, uh, which the previous verse said she's been five months in seclusion. Because if you're 80 and you get pregnant, I would stay secluded too. Like, you don't want to ask her any questions, all right? Um, right? I mean, you get it, right? And you're like, what have you been doing? Well, we know what you've been doing, but what, what's happening? Uh, it's five months. And, and here's what Elizabeth said, because if you were here last week, you know that in this culture, if you couldn't have a baby, they thought you did something wrong. They thought you sinned. And, and, in, and every Jewish woman wanted to give birth to the Messiah. They knew the Messiah was coming. And it was a hopeful thing that as a Jewish woman, maybe I could be the one to carry the Messiah. Maybe that would be it. Well, if you couldn't get pregnant, you disqualified. From, and, but not only that, again, there was a, a, a shame that you had as a woman that you couldn't get pregnant in this day and age. And here's what Elizabeth says, being 80 years old, here's what she says. In these days, he has shown me favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And, and when I read this and thought about it, I thought, you know, that kind of breaks my heart. She's 80 years old and she still feels disgrace. She still feels shunned a little bit. She still feels less than after 80 years. She still feels that. She's like, God has taken away my disgrace. Well, now that Mary would become pregnant, it's the opposite. Here she was a virgin, pledged to be married, a good girl. People knew her. She's a great, great young woman. Now she's going to be pregnant out of wedlock. She would be disgraced. She would be shunned. She would be, that's the woman that, that, yeah, she said God did it right. Because you just try telling people, well, I got pregnant and it was God. Any woman in this church that comes and tells me this, I'm going to be, you a liar? Her altar is right there. Let's repent of this sin right now because you just lied to me. I didn't do nothing. Yeah, you did, right? But in this day and age, again, who's going to believe her? Who's going to say, well, an angel came and said, I'm going to be pregnant. And everybody's going to, oh, okay, well, cool. No, I'm pregnant. God did it. Nope. That's not Mary. We know how it works. That's not what happened. That's not what happened. She would be considered a liar. I mean, there's a lot of things that she's going to have to deal with through her life to carry the Messiah. But what Mary is going to accept is going to cost her with how people viewed her for a while. But God will never ask you to give something up without giving you something better in his name. And they make this very clear. If you're unmarried and you're pregnant, God has an absolute plan for that child. Right. And you are welcome at this church. Amen. And we will help you raise that kid, okay? Yeah. And I will be her favorite pastor or his favorite pastor forever. <laughs> all right? So there is no shame with that, all right? You just need to make that very clear here. You are welcome here, right? We're not your judge. We're your friends. We're your family. So, all right, when that happens, again, God didn't go, oh, no, what am I going to do? No, God knew, okay? Even, even a child conceived in sin, okay, can become a huge blessing, all right? So you just repent and you say, okay, use this child. So here's what she's dealing with. Her wedding. Most little girls dream about their wedding day. They dream with Ken and Barbie and they play the thing and, and, and you know, submit, submit, yes ma'am, yes ma'am. Or they, they do <laughs> the misquote scripture, but you know how it works. But you see little girls playing house, right? That you see that in every little girl or most little girls, they have this wedding in their mind. And, and I don't think Mary was any different, that it was a huge celebration and she's looking forward to it. And she knows the guy and he's a good guy. And she has these hopes and these dreams of what it's going to be like, who her bridesmaids are going to be and what they're going to eat and, and what the wedding is going to be like, right? Okay, a husband and, and the dreams, all this stuff, a home and children and family. And that is now going to be pretty much shattered because she's going to be a single mom for a while, or at least a single pregnant woman, okay? So Joseph, he gets the word too. He's gonna, he's gonna let, let go, like, because he could kill her, but he doesn't. A different book tells the story where an angel had to go and say, Joe, dude, chill out. This is of God, because he was gonna, like, get rid of her. And, and, and Joseph's like, oh, okay. And he believes her too. Amen. Could Mary have said no? I believe so. But God knew she wouldn't because of her character. She was dependable, and God knew this. 
Question here, are you known for being dependable? Are you known by your boss, by your spouse, by those around you that you are a dependable person? You see, if you're a boss, if you're a manager, I can, when I say this, you probably think of some people that are dependable. And you probably think of a whole lot that are not. Okay, somebody's name comes to mind when I say this word. Are you known for being dependable? You see, we all have a choice to do what God wants to or wants us to do or not. You want to gain an advantage in the workplace? Be willing to do the jobs that no one else wants to do with a good attitude. Like there's no time in history that I think you can rise up in the ranks than today. Like you can go get a job at Taco Bell today and be the manager tomorrow. Because okay. they're just help wanted everywhere, right? So if you want to, to, to get promoted, show up on time, work hard, and have a good attitude. Okay, young people, listen to me. There's no greater time in history that you can rise up in the ranks pretty fast if you're just willing to work hard, be honest, and show up on time. On the other hand, have you ever hesitated to ask someone to do something because you have an idea of how they will respond to it? Like you're, you want to ask them, and you're like, no, they're going to flip. Some of your kids, you ask your kids, you know, go clean your room, or you say, will you clean your room? I, you know, you don't have to ask your kids, will you clean your room? It's a dictatorship, it's not a democracy, right? Because if you say, will you clean their room, you're giving them an opportunity to say, no. Go clean your room, or at what time will you start cleaning your room? Okay, there is ways to word that. And if they're resistant to it, then it becomes a dictatorship, all right? Like, you can nicely say, but then sometimes you have to, to turn it up a little bit. But how do we treat our kids who just comply with what we ask? They're the ones that gain some favor, right? Mary has gained some favor here. Why? Because of her previous behavior. Your behavior gains you favor, okay? Your behavior gains you favor. Now, listen, you can do what's asked of you with a bad attitude or reluctancy. Some of you should know that. They'll, they'll do it. They'll comply, but they don't like it. You tell your kid, hey, go clean your room. All right. And they're going to clean and they're throwing stuff everywhere. And that's their idea of cleaning and shoving under the bed and hiding things. That's not cleaning. Okay. That's corrupting. Okay. Cleaning is cleaning. All right. And they can do it with an attitude and you're, you're not that much happier that they're doing it, but they have a bad attitude. I want to have a good attitude when God asks me to do something. I want to just do it with a good attitude. But Mary wasn't like this. She had a reputation of being willing and dependable. She was faithful in the small things and in private, and it would become public at this point. Her, her faithfulness, her, her, how she lived her life, God noticed. So my question for us at this point is, what are we willing to give up to serve God? And I, and I put, you know, what are we willing to give up? Because you really don't give up anything to serve God anything that's good. You can give up your sin and your bad habits and old lifestyle. But, but what are we willing to say? Okay, God, I will give up whatever it is to serve you because Mary here would be willing to give up her wedding day. She would be willing to give up her reputation. She would be willing to give up people looking at her, you know, in a, in a kind way like they did. And now they're going to look at her with stank eye because she's pregnant. She was willing to give up a lot just to simply do what God wanted her to do. Serving God will cost you something, but cost is relative to value, okay? What we think we're giving up is probably garbage anyway, Amen. right? The thing was like, well, I got to give this up. No, you don't have to give, you're giving up the thing that's hurting you, right? You're giving up the thing that's taking you in the wrong direction. An example, old friends, some of you have given your life to Jesus and you've realized that the friends you hung out with, they're not leading you closer to Jesus, they're leading you away from Jesus. Or maybe they're making fun of you because you gave your life to Jesus. I would have to say those are not true friends, they were companions because you had fun, but true friends will help you get closer to God, not further away from him. Someone once said, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Teenagers pay attention to that. So here's what she was willing to do. She was willing to give up her earthly reputation to do what God is asking her to do. And it's a beautiful thing. The Bible says that the fear of man will prove to be a snare. I don't think Mary was afraid of people. I think she was, had a more of a godly fear because she was willing to do what she wants. Uh, but I will tell you this about a preachers, all right? Any preacher who is scared of what people think won't tell you the truth. They won't tell you what the Bible says, or at least the hard truths. They might stay, you know, on the fun truths. Given it shall be given. Yeah, sounds good, you know. That, that's great. But well, what about sin? Okay, there was a famous preacher recently. I'm not his judge, and I think he's a, a great guy. He's got a big ministry. But I saw an interview and they asked him about, well, how come you don't talk about homosexuality or being a sin? And he says, I just stay in my lane. That's not my thing. Okay, well, the Bible says it's sin. 
there's adultery sin. It says lying is sin. There's a lot of things that says is sin, but he, he's like, that's just not my thing. I, I, just, I just stay in my lane, and my lane is I just here to encourage people. Well, you can encourage people all the way to hell if you don't tell them the truth, okay? Again, so again, that's, that's that ministry. I don't, I'm not his judge. God's a judge. But it, as a pastor, because I'm one and he's one, I have to be willing to tell you the truth, and say, this is what the Bible says about certain things. Now, I'm here to encourage you, get you. But if you're doing something that's going to send you to hell, I'm going to tell you about it. Because love has to be confrontational at times. It's got real quiet in this place. All right, let's move on. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a link. You can listen to that guy, and you'll feel good about life um, all the time. No, my lane, my lane is all the Bible, not just the fluffy parts, not just the fun parts, Okay. Avoid sin talk, that's not, that's not scriptural. Why do I say this? Well, think about it as a doctor. A good doctor isn't one who only points out what isn't wrong with you. You got something big going on in your body and, and, and he's looking at you and in his heart, he's like, he's got cancer. But he, you know, your legs are in great shape and your eyesight's good. Yeah, you got good muscle tone and man, your eyes are just beautiful and your ear, you can hear. If a doctor starts, if he avoids the cancer, but he talks about all the things that aren't wrong, Okay, he's not a very good doctor. The doctor's got to say, yeah, you look great, but we, there's something that we need to deal with. All right? The Bible is like that. It's got to be very well-rounded. So could Mary, again, have said no? Yes, she could have, but she didn't. Here's what she would face. She would face the, the accusation that she fornicated, that she had sex outside of marriages and got pregnant. She would be considered a mother of an illegitimate child. Jesus was called that. Okay, later in the day, they say, you're, you're the son of a, like a bad woman. You're illegitimate. She got rejected by her family. We'll see that Friday night, our, our Friday night Christmas service is five o'clock. Um, if you come and you belong, if you're a good part of the church or you're, you come here regularly, please park as far away as you can. Okay? Because parking is going to be a crazy, crazy time. It's going to be crazy. So just be nice to the new people. Amen. Right? Just give up. Okay? You don't have a spot and you don't have a seat. The seat that you always sit in, we did musical chairs, so the seat you're sitting in that you think is yours isn't yours because somebody else sitting in it because we moved it. Right. Don't be right sharpie your name on there, all right? I've seen that before. Uh, a little plaque that says, my chair. No, it's not. I'll throw your chair out in the street if you write your name on it because <laughs> your name's on it and I'll know it's you, okay? She would be rejected by her family. Again, we'll talk about this Friday because when they went to Bethlehem, we know the story, there's no room in the inn, but guys, this culture is a very hospitable culture. They went to Bethlehem, that's where Joseph was from. He had family there and the family did not welcome them in. So she, she suffered rejection, okay? Even the innkeeper's like, we don't have no room. And they, where did they stay? In a stable. Because even the family, okay, so it's, it's an untold story, but it's true because of the culture that even the family was like, yeah, we don't have any room for you. You're pregnant, you're not married, and we know it. So there was rejection. So it's a crazy thing. Jesus, her son, okay, after Joseph would die, she became a single mom to a bunch of kids because Jesus had siblings. She became a widow. She'd raise some kids on her own, okay? Jesus would be brutally beaten and brutally murdered. And, and this is what the Jewish woman thought when she hoped to give birth to the Messiah. Totally different idea. Because they thought the Messiah would be the superstar, would be, man, you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're the mother of the Messiah and everything's great. But this culture had no idea what the Messiah would be. That's why they're so shocked when he got hung on a cross. Is they, we thought he was a conquering king. We thought he was going to overthrow the rule. We thought he was a military leader coming in on a white horse. And here he comes riding on a donkey. You like that, that creative visual? <laughs> this little donkey. Kings don't come in on donkeys. They come in on white horses. That's, that's what the culture thought. And Jesus wasn't what they thought, but Jesus was still the Messiah. So she gave up a lot. And when it comes to obeying God's will for your life, you're either compliant or defiant. You're either gonna do what he asks you to do or you're not gonna do what he asks you to do. Now, you can comply with a grudge. You can do what he wants, but with a bad attitude, that's not what God's looking for. God's looking for compliance with a smile. Same thing that we look for on our kids or those under you if you're a boss of any sort, all right? Compliant or defiant. And she says, or he says in verse 28, you are highly favored. Greetings to you. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And I think of highly favored, I think of highly recommended. And when I think of highly recommended, I think of the sauce at Mongolian Grill. 
I just made y'all hungry. I took my daughter. It was her birthday this last week. Uh, she's 26, and we have a standing date at Mongolian Grill for as long back as I could remember. And even the lady that, that when we come in, she's like, oh, it's your birthday. And she gives, it's, she's just cute. And uh, it's just a great thing. And so she just knows when we show up that it's Lexi's birthday. But I think I thought about this as I'm going through soup and it's Mongolian sauce, highly recommended. Why is it highly recommended? Because it's good, right? It's good. And she says, and the angel says, you are highly favored with God. Why? Because God's been watching you. God, Mary, God has been watching you. And you've been doing it right. And nobody really knows about this, but I've seen you. And that tells me that God is watching you, church. God sees you. He sees the good things that you do. Yeah, he sees the bad things too, but he sees the good things that you do. He sees you. He sees the things that nobody else sees and he cares about that. Again, why was she highly favored? Title of the message, because of her behavior. And she was a pretty impressive teenager, which leads me to say this. Age doesn't qualify you Behavior does. Age doesn't qualify you. Behavior does. You got Zachariah who's 80 when he gets fine. He's like, no, you can have a kid. No, no. 80 years old, man of God, priest serving in the temple, doubting the angel. If anybody should have believed it should have been Zachariah. And then you got a teenager who's like, you're going to be pregnant. She's like, okay, how? That's what she says. We'll get to that in just a moment. Age doesn't qualify you. Behavior does. Okay. So you want to earn God's favor, I think we all should try. You have to obey his word regardless of how you feel about it. Amen. Regardless of how you feel. Why? Uh, because your feelings do not determine whether sin is sin or not. Now, I'm brave enough to tell you if you're shacking up, if you're living together and you're not married, if there's no ring, you're living in sin, you need to stop. Because okay? God can't bless that. God doesn't condemn you, but he says, hey, I want you to do this, I want you to do this right. So if you're living together, sleeping together, my suggestion is, hey, move out or don't sleep together. And I'm going to tell you, if you don't move out, it's going to be really hard not to sleep together because I just made it all that more tempting. <laughs> I know humans don't do it. I want to do it now, right? Don't look at me like you're all spiritual. I know you, right? You're human. You got biology going on. I know what that is, all right? But, but come, come talk to me. I can indeed do a mariage anytime I want. If you've watched Pirates of the Caribbean, you know that Captain Jack can too. Right? Get it right. Get married or break up. Yeah. Pastor Stan, I love you. I'm going to tell you the truth. Okay? I want God's blessing on your life, but we can't get God's blessing if we don't do it God's way. Amen. All right? That's just, that's just how it is. Okay? Let me change the subject now that we're something a little more comfortable. Speeding. Speeding may not feel wrong to you, but it's actually fun. Or so I've been told yeah. by people that do it. Hey, so you're driving down the road at 180 miles an hour. Hey, yeah, that'd be fast. I've never been that fast. Some of you have. The law determines that that is what? Against the law. Okay? It's not whether what it feels like. The laws don't say, well, if, you know, if 100 feels good to you, just go ahead. Because no, the law has to be there for a reason. We don't get to determine the law by how we feel about it. The government determines laws for safety. Okay? And sometimes just for ridiculousness. When Oregon used to have 55 and no man's land. Nobody obeyed those laws then. Don't look. You all, if you move from California, you, you broke the limit across Nevada because Nevada is the worst place to drive. It's so boring. Right? Come on, all right? I think even God looks down and shakes his head at the Nevada speed laws. Like, I invented long, flat roads for speeding. <laughs> Man, you guys are a little too enthusiastic on my lies because that's not true, right? The law determines what sin is or what sin isn't. The law determines that. Police officers, their job is to uphold what? The law. Not make the law, but uphold the law. The word of God is the law. My job is to say, hey, if you don't walk according to the Bible, you're probably going to get a sin ticket. <laughs> okay? Something's going to happen. So if you obey, then nothing bad is going to happen to you as far as the sin thing goes. All right? Now, if you're a Christian, there's all kinds of bad things that are going to happen to you. Amen. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. Jesus said that. Okay? So we're not immune from trouble, but God gets us through the trouble. Now, don't mistake Okay, the favor is gained with behavior. Don't mistake this with salvation. We are saved only by the blood of Jesus Christ. We cannot gain salvation by our good behavior, right? Good behavior is a result of salvation. We get saved first, we give our hearts to Jesus Christ. Then we work on the behavior thing. We don't have to work on the behavior and then see if God will accept us. That's not how it works. That's how religion works. Religion says, well, do all the right things and then maybe you'll be accepted by God. No, God says, I accept you as you are. 
and you need to hear that. Some of you might have grown up in religious churches. You've just tried to earn God's, God's love, and you can't earn God's love. It's freely given. He gives it to you. Now, the favor is what is the earned thing. So, saved by faith in Jesus Christ, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I can't earn it. Our behavior changes again because of salvation. So, in a nutshell, love is a choice. Favor is gained by what? Behavior. behavior. You guys are learning better than first, than first class. I, I, I also, I threatened to keep them to second service. I did, they weren't amen and good enough. I was like, y'all stay in for second service because you ain't getting this. It's kind of like detention in church. <laughs> I will hold you over. All right. If you have kids, you can understand this, right? We're loved unconditionally, but how we live matters to God. We love our kids, but when they disobey us, we can be disappointed. Okay? We still love them, but, but it's like, you don't have my favor right now because you didn't do what I asked. You're still my kid. I still love you, but you didn't clean your room. You didn't do what I told you to do. So the favor thing is not happening at this moment. Right? And with Christmas coming up and presents under the tree, you have every right to remove the presents. What I think you should do, put presents and number them, one, two, three, how many ever they get, and count them with them. Get one, two, three. And when they misbehave, three goes. See, we can work down to one. Just giving you a parenting tip there. Because presents are, boy, it got really quiet in here. Because the thought is, what well, if my spouse does that to me? I better be very nice, okay? We could do that. There's a sowing, there's a reaping, there's a planting, and there's a harvesting. And Jesus said this one thing. This is how I know you can uh, obtain a, a praise from God. He said this, how can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain praise from the only God? Not, not effort to obtain salvation, but obtain praise from the Lord. We want God to say, good job. Good job, you did, you did what I asked you to do. If you're teenagers, you should pay attention to this, okay? Listen to me very carefully. Obeying your parents is only going to help you. Amen. Yes. I'll say it again. Obeying your parents is only going to help you. If you're a kid in this place, obeying your parents is only going to help you. So if you want to be the favorite kid, obey mom and dad better than your brother or sister. Do your best, brother. Do your best, sister, right? I'm, I'm going to outdo it. See, I, I have to confess that I was the teacher's pet in school. When I was in grade school, I was pretty ornery. Yeah, I did a lot of things that weren't great. Not near as bad as some of y'all that I know, but, but I did some things. And, and, and there was a point that I realized if I, if I do what my teacher wants, I get favor, and I started recognizing, you know what? And I, and I started getting teased. Oh, you're just a teacher's pet. I'm like, you bet I am. And who gets to go to lunch first? Who gets to go help in the kitchen? Because when you help in the kitchen, you get to eat all the food you want. And we had a, a amazing cook at my little town school. Yeah, you know, she was like the mom of everybody. And she, she made everything but scratch. I mean, you got these rolls that were homemade. They were just unbelievable. So you could eat as many as you want. When it came time to take the roll call down to the principal's office, Stan got to take it. Why? Because I was a pet. And I got to skip a little bit of class walking down. Like, yeah, that's right. That's right. I get to go. Why? Because I was a teacher's pet. So I'm all about being the teacher's pet. I'm all about doing what the teacher asked you to do to gain some favor. Now, I wasn't always a teacher's pet. I, I went to real school. Some of y'all went to real school back when they had blackboards. And when you got in trouble, the, let me just show you. The teacher... The teacher on the blackboard, if you got in trouble for talking or whatever, they would draw a circle on the blackboard. And, and your man, Stan, because Pastor Stevie says, you're your boy, but I'm going to refer to myself as a man. All right. <laughs> I hear him say it all the time, your boy, I'm, I'm your man. Okay, he can be. All right, let's get that straight. So the circle's there, and you would have to stand in the class like this. Chris, Chris is looking at me right now. She's smiling because when I walked out, this morning, she looked at me. She's like, turn around. It's like, she likes my jeans. All right. So I would have my nose against the, the back. This is back when you can actually discipline kids for misbehaving. All right. And I had to put my nose on the chalkboard and stand there for as long as the teacher said. And in front of the whole class. Okay. You can't even do that these days without getting taken to court. But I think we should reinstate it. It'd be a good thing. Okay. So... I would do that, and one time I actually erased the chalk with my nose, just erased the, erased the circle, and I think I got in trouble for that too, but at least I was creative. Okay, that was the back in the days when the teacher could actually be a teacher, all right, and I, I think we need to get back to that, because I think too many students have rights. Amen. It should be, but when they make me king, I'll institute it. You can, we had a, 
principal that could spank us and a teacher that could put us in the front of the class. Why? To humiliate you to not doing it anymore. Yeah. I got good amens out of this. I'm going to keep preaching on that. Um, <laughs> I believe in, in crime. I believe in punishment. We should be able to do that. And maybe our young students will start respecting our teachers these days like they should be able to. And law enforcement as well. See, when I was a kid, you got spanked at school and you got spanked at home. Yeah. Now, you know, parents will call the PTA. Well, you, they did something to my kid. Well, you listen to your kid. He lit the classroom on fire. Well, he's just a pyro by nature. You have to let him do that. <laughs> no. You teach him not to do that. Okay. There's got to be discipline. There's got to be order. So here's what Mary did. Mary set herself up for future success by her past behavior, okay, while living in a town known for its corruption. So here, here's a question that you may ask yourself because maybe of your lifestyle and what, how you live before you came to Jesus or how you live it if you're not serving God right now. This question may be, well, what if I have my past? What if I have something that I did in the past and, and it's still there, right, because I have some results from it? Listen, you may have to deal with some consequences but determine that from here on out, you're going to do what's right. right. You can say, yeah, I have a past because there's a lot of Bible characters that had a past. A lot of them, like a lot of them, pretty much all of them. Okay. Maybe Mary and Joseph, there's like Jesus, there's like three people that didn't have a past. Most of the people had a past and some, a lot of it included killing people. So you're probably not that bad of a person, right? (laughs) David murdered and killed and had an affair and got pregnant. His whole life was a mess. And yet he was called a man after God's own heart. That gives us all a shot, right? Why was he a man after God's own heart? Here's why. It's because he, when, he, when he recognized he sinned, he owned it. Amen. And he repented and he moved in. in okay. So anyway, we, if we have a past, we just have to determine, okay, today I'm going to start doing right. I'm going to live right. So no matter where you come from, you can choose to love Jesus and live a different life than those around you. Okay? Whether it's your heritage or your location. Now here, we're going to see what Mary deals with. She, he says, you're going to have, okay, you're going to have a child. Okay, she was greatly troubled at his words, wondering what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child, verse 30, 31, and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Okay, so now Gabriel says, okay, name your boy John, name your boy Jesus. Jesus was Yeshua or Joshua, very common name. This is what you're to name him. So they didn't have any family arguments about what to name him. All right, it was pretty easy. Wouldn't you love to have an angel say this is what their name's gonna be? It'd be great. This is what he's going to be. And here's what kind of person he's going to be. He will be great. And he will be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him a throne of his father, David, because Mary was also from the line of David. The the Messiah would come from David's line. Joseph was from the line of David. But if anybody said, yeah, but he's not the real dad. Well, Mary was still related to David. Okay, so the Bible prophesied something that will always come to pass. And we don't doubt that. All right, so they're both from the line of David. And, um, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And, and this is how Mary responds. And we'll close with this thought. Let me rephrase that. We will close with these thoughts, all right? How will this be? Mary said, asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. She didn't say what? Zechariah, he, he was like, how can I be sure of this? No, I can't, no, I'm not gonna have a kid. He, he, he responded in doubt. Mary responds with, okay. How? And here's what she has dealt with. And I want to show you this because I think you need to see it. She, she understood the what. You're going to be with child. Okay. How? Okay. She didn't argue this. She just wanted to know how. She's like, um, I have no biology. I'm a virgin. Gabriel, how? How's this going to happen? And Gabriel says, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. You're going to get pregnant. She's like, okay. Don't you see the difference here? Zechariah's like, no. And Mary's like, okay. Many of you in your life, you, you know what the what is. The what is, is the easy thing. It's your dreams. It's your hopes. If you're single, maybe you, you're thinking about getting married. What, what do you want? Well, I want a husband. I don't want a wife. Or I want a home. And I want a family. I want kids. I want, there's a lot of what's that are super easy. If you dream at all, you know what the what is. This is what I want my life to look like. Where we struggle is with the How? Okay, do you want a house? Yeah, I want a house. How are you going to get there? Spend all the money I make. Put everything on credit. Please disagree with me because you're all looking at me like, is that how you know? Just because I'm your pastor don't mean I'm telling you the truth all the time. No, it was a question. How are we going to do it? We start saving money. Okay, that's the how. The how is, is a process. 
It's a process. And if you have terrible credit now, do you need to do something to build your credit back up? Because you can't walk into the bank and say, this is what I want. Well, how are you going to get there? I'm cute. <laughs> Give me a loan. Now, if he's a flirtatious bank officer, maybe, and you're good looking, he might just do that, but probably not. Okay. The what always has to have the how, and the how is the work. Yeah. That's the work. That, that, that's where it gets hard. That's where you have to do it. That's where you got to just stick your nose to the grind. So it's okay, I'm going to pull this off, and I'm going to do it. Mary understood the what. She was just simply wanting to know the avenue. Are you going to have a kid? Okay, how? Because I'm not with the guy. So, and he just, oh, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child. Now, even though they were close, they were you know, first cousins here. John and Jesus will be first cousins. Even Mary didn't know because Elizabeth has been hiding which I would too if I was AD and pregnant. I would probably stay away from people to, again, there's going to be a lot of questions. And so Mary knows, they're about 100 miles apart. Mary's going to actually go live with her for a while um, later in the story. But he says, Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her old age. And he who is said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. Amen. And some of you need to hear that today. Nothing is impossible with God. A guy, a pastor I like to listen to, his name is Joe Foch. He uh, pastors Calvary Chapel in Philadelphia. He said this the other day, and I love it. He said, faith is willing to leave the details in the hands of God. Faith is willing to leave the details in the hands of God. That's what faith is. Faith is, okay, I'm going to have a kid. The details, God, they're all yours. Too many of us try to figure out the details instead of just taking one day at a time and obeying God, doing what God wants. Let God deal with the details. And here's how Mary responds. No, she didn't say that. She says this, verse 38. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. She's just like, okay, I'll do it. I love the compliant attitude. I, I, I heard another guy say recently that he said Catholicism puts Mary too high, but Protestants probably put her too low. Yeah. Like we don't talk about her enough because again, she's not sinless but she was a very godly young woman. Yeah. Okay, she deserves more honor probably than a lot of us give her. Right. All right, so if you want to get on Jesus's good side, just say, hey, hey Jesus, how your mom doing? Like, she was great, just brag on her mom, right? Just brag on just because she was a godly young person. May it be as you have said, the word servant there, she uses the word doulos, and that's the lowest form of slave in, of the house in this culture. She was saying, I will do whatever it is that I need to do. Here's what she would go through. She would be gossiped about. Jesus, again, would be called an illegitimate child. She would be shunned by some family when they go to Bethlehem because nobody offered her a room that were family, and that's the culture. We went through that. Okay, so you got to understand, guys, for her to do what God wanted her to do, there was some serious things that she had to, to give up, but she was willing to do it. Again, my response is my responsibility. So as we close here, I have to ask you a couple questions. Number one is how will you respond to what you've heard today? Because it elicits a response. You need to respond to what you've been, heard, been told. But here's what I want you to deal with right here. So listen close. Maybe you need to write this down or think about it. What part of this message do I need to work on right now? Like in my life right now, what is the one thing that I just need to buckle down? I need to get rid of it. If you're, if you're living in sin, one word, repent. Just repent. Ask God to forgive you and then, and then do your best to quit doing it. Okay? Repentance is just turning from it. Uh, deal with that first. But some of you may be running from God. God may have called you and, and you're called to do something for your church family and, and do something in ministry. And maybe you're just running from it because it might cost you something. Yeah. But maybe we need to deal with that to say, okay, God, this, this may cost me, but I'm gonna do what you want. I'm gonna do what you want. And I'm willing to do it. And if there's, if there's repercussions, then I'm willing to deal with them. But I will tell you this, if you lose your job or lose something, God will provide something better for you when you stand up for his name. That's just his nature. God does that. You want a promotion at work? Okay. Be known for your work ethic and faithfulness. Work hard. I think as a Christian, you should be the hardest worker for the company or the business you work for. Okay. What do I need to work on right now? Maybe it's having a better attitude at work, at home, at school. Again, maybe it's working harder. Maybe it's being on time and on time is early, right? Amen. On time is early. Volunteer for the hard jobs, okay? Be known for your work ethic. Last question is, is can God depend on you to do what he asks you to do? Can God depend on you? He could depend on Mary, okay? Going through all the stuff that she's gonna go through. She just said, 
Sure, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do it. Much easier said than done, isn't it? Okay, but it's always worth it. It's always worth it. So where are you at today in your walk with God? I want to close with this. If you bow your heads with me just for a moment. You know, most of you in this place have accepted Jesus as your savior. You've got salvation dealt with, eternity's dealt with. But if you're here today and you've never personally accepted Jesus as your savior, if you've never confessed your sins, if you've never asked him to be your savior, you could believe in God without spending eternity in heaven with him. Like even the devil believes in God. Even the devil believes that Jesus died for the sins of humanity. He believes that. But belief alone won't get you there. You have to put your trust and your faith in that. And if you've never given your life to Jesus today and it's something that you want to do, I like to do it this way. Nobody's looking around. It's just a, a moment between you and God. But if that's you, if you would just lift your hand up, I'm not gonna point you out or embarrass you, but I just, if, you, if that's me, I need to give my life to Jesus today. I need to ask for forgiveness. I wanna go to heaven when I die, guys, because we will take our last breath. And that's really what Christmas is all about. It's about that chance to go to heaven, but we have to confess our sins. Anybody need to do that today? Okay, I don't see any hands, all right? If you're online with us and you need to, it's a simple prayer. It's just asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. It's that simple. God knows the heart of your prayer. It doesn't have to be a perfect prayer. It's just repenting and giving your life to him. Amen, you can look up at me. Did this help anybody today? Okay, I hope it did. Help me. Um, Anyhow, uh, thank you so much for being here. A couple things, all right? Uh, again, five o'clock is start time, right? Or 5.05? Doors open at 4.30, okay? You can come get your picture taken. We're gonna have a, a, a friendly man here who loves Jesus and is gonna be dressed up in a red suit, all right? And he's going to tell a story about how Christmas is not about him, it's about Jesus Christ. Okay, so know that. Your kids are gonna hear the story about this is, you know, St. Nicholas was a good person in the history, but he's gonna tell the story about why, what Christmas is really about. So it's gonna be a great thing. Um, but get here, get here a little early, begin, park out, let the newer people come in. And then also on Sunday morning, the 26th, we weren't planning on doing a service because we're doing a lot before then. Um, but I, so I gave my staff time off, but there's some families that wanted to have church. So I was like, well, let's have church. And so at 10 o'clock, we're gonna meet. It is a non-obligated, you don't have to come. We're just gonna open the doors. Um, I'm gonna call it Campfire Church. There's gonna be some guitars. There's gonna be some singing. And uh, it's, it's, it's not gonna be like bright and shiny. It's gonna be like a campfire. <laughs> somebody, somebody will get here and go, you said there was gonna be a fire. Um, that's at the new building. We actually have fire pits designed. Uh, so we're gonna get here at 10 o'clock and there's, gonna, there's no childcare, all right? Come as a family and we're gonna sing some songs and I'm gonna have a short message. There's also an online service. So is it 10 o'clock, Pastor Steve? 10 o'clock, the online service will be aired. Uh, so we're pre-recording all that. Uh, but anyways, if you want to come and join our church family at 10, it's just gonna be a fun time together. It's gonna be great. All right, love y'all. Thank you so much for being here. Drive patient on the way out. All right. Have a great day. If you're brand new, go back to the info booth to get your coffee cup.